Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we'll be speaking to college and university leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of higher education and picking their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, the Evolution's Editor-in-Chief, Ahmed Alawalia, speaks with Erica Warning-Mayer, who is Vice President of Enrollment and Student Affairs at Nicolette College. We talked to Erica about student affairs' key role within the institution and how to create a lifelong learning environment. Let's get into it. Erica, thank you so much for joining the Illumination podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm always curious about where folks wound up in their career paths. And I'm particularly curious here because student affairs is such an interesting and unique part of the post-secondary ecosystem. How did you make your way into this role? I think I have a different path than probably most people. I started my career in TRIO programs. So I worked for educational talent search and upper bound programs, helping high school students access higher education. And then I came to Nicolay College through admissions and worked my way up from the career coach, who's the frontline person helping students sign up, all the way up to the director of the enrollment program, which is admissions. And then I moved to Dean. Um, And just this July, I became vice president of student affairs at Nicolay College. How many connectivity points are you seeing between the work that you are doing in admissions in terms of creating pathways into the institution and the work you're doing now in student affairs, which is really more about keeping learners engaged and focused on, on their you know, success all the way through to completion? You know, I think it all comes down to serving the individual and serving the student and making student-centered decisions. And that's the philosophy that we have at Nicolay College, and we focused on throughout that student journey. So, you know, you mentioned the three L's or lifelong learning. That's very important to us, too, that we're looking at the whole individual. And I, and I think when we talk about retention and completion efforts, it's really at the individual level and looking at the students' identities. And we need to do that at the front end to make sure that they're well-informed and making a choice and choosing our institution. And we need to keep doing that to make sure that they are supported while they're here. So I really think there's a lot of connectivity when you look at it from the, we call it the student stream, but you know, where the student starts. Uh, so we've really carried that forward and consider that whole journey in our services for students. Absolutely. And you know what? That's a, a special little, I guess, Easter egg for uh, podcast listeners, because I know a lot of folks don't know this. I get asked a lot. So for podcast listeners, you now have this exclusive. The three L's in evolution stand for lifelong learning. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <What a> special, <laughs> special little bonus for podcast <laughs> listeners. I've been asked that for a decade. So this seems like a fun forum to share that. You know, what's interesting is, is you're really, the language you're using here is the language of, of customer service. Of, of consumer engagement of, you know, I mean, I guess maybe not the Amazons of the world, but certainly, you know, when you think about what a modern consumer is looking for, it's that personalization, it's a recognition of their needs as an individual, and it's the capacity of the service provider to recognize and address those needs, ideally proactively. How do you instill a culture like that when, and I know you're at a technical college, but nevertheless, our post-secondary ecosystem tends to be far more traditional and less trusting of that idea of, of students as customers. Higher education wasn't necessarily designed with the consumer mindset, you know, and the last redesign in higher education was decades ago. And mm-hmm. these behemoths like Amazon and Walmart and all these companies that are setting service expectations for our students 
weren't there. So, you know, we have to acknowledge that who we're serving has changed and it needs to change in terms, you know, for equity and inclusion and all of those wonderful reasons as well. And so, you know, we, we dub it service excellence at our institution. And we um, went through an effort to establish customer service center. You know, we call it our welcome center, our one-stop shop. I know a lot of other institutions use that model. And then we developed some quality standards to ensure that we were being consistent and putting the student first in terms of really simple things like making what we call a warm handoff and not just transferring to a number and not knowing if someone's going to pick up. Closing the loop with a student, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that in two days I can resolve every student situation, but letting them know that I heard them, I care about them, that's what's important. So I think naming it was a really important place to start in instilling that in our culture. The other place that I think is important is to provide the resources for it. So supporting professional development for staff, helping staff reflect on their own experiences, what was good about that experience, what was bad about that experience, um, and then designing positions around that philosophy of student at the center, that customer service mindset, maybe doing things a little bit differently in terms of our advising model or um, our career services, career center model, because We want to make sure it's with that service mindset that we're designing those roles. I'm curious as to your thoughts on, you know, what, especially as you didn't come to student affairs from student affairs, you you came in from from the admission side. What are some of the most common misconceptions that you've seen about the work that student affairs does and, and its impact? The misconception about student affairs is that it's just the extra stuff, you know, that it's not core in the student's educational journey, that without that stuff, the student could still get their degree. And that's true. I mean, we're not necessarily providing the technical education pieces. However, what we are providing is the support that so many of our students need. We launched competency-based education in 2018 uh, with a few programs and now have ramped up to nine of our academic areas being competency-based education. And our philosophy when we did that was to look at the core tenets of the student service model. Um, So obviously academics is part of that. The student learning is essential. We need faculty and subject matter experts. The the technology we're using, the instructional design is very important when students are self-pacing and um, driving their educational journey in the uh, competency-based program. And then the third tenet was student support and student services. And we have a success coach that works with students to identify upfront what are some barriers, how are you going to pace yourself through this program, and when you reach a barrier, how can we intervene to make sure that you can continue on? So it's a very personalized, very you know individual support model, and that we consider essential to our academic delivery. So I think for us, student affairs is so interwoven into the fabric of what we do, but a lot of other institutions might look at it and others outside of our institution might look at it and say, well, that's the other stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the fun events. That's the little parties and swag that we give to students. Absolutely. And, and we know that you know, student engagement, active student engagement, proactive student engagement has a massive impact on, on learner retention, on learner success. How impactful is the work that student affairs divisions are doing in a performance-based funding environment? 
It's essential. I mean, so in our environment, a key metric is enrollment. I mean, we, we can't separate what we do from that metric of knowing what our enrollment is and knowing what our retention is to keep those students. And we, throughout the pandemic, I know a lot of institutions struggled with that retention component, understandably. I mean, our students' lives were turned completely upside down. And I think by having the individual relationships we did with students and the ability to intervene and upfront in the pandemic, reach out to them, support them, offer all of the resources that we received uh, to support these students, helped us keep our retention. And actually, we were the only technical college in Wisconsin to increase enrollment last year. We had a 2% enrollment gain. Um, and I don't think without that student-centered approach and without the service excellence mindset and the work in the models of the success coach role, that necessarily could have happened. The other thing too that's important is that our faculty also adopt that service excellence mindset. You know, it's not, that's the coach's job to do. We know we're all here with the student at the center and making sure that that student feels included is what makes them engaged. So from your perspective, what does it take from a staff effort perspective to drive adequate student engagement that's going to sort of maximize their chances at, at persisting through a program? Yeah, so you know we're the smallest technical college in the system as well in Wisconsin. So um, that's always a challenge for us is the, the staffing component. And it's something I think we're still figuring out. When we look at a system, our advising caseload is very, fairly traditional. So we're mm-hmm. a misnomer in our system, the Wisconsin Technical College system, by, by potentially having lower advising loads because we need to have that more individualized attention. So that's something we're still figuring out and looking for best practices on and looking to other institutions offering competency-based education is, you know, what is really sustainable for us to have this model and this vision of this individualized holistic student support? Um, that's, a, that's a huge piece of it. And I, and I also think staffing has been completely changed when you adopt a competency-based education model. And that, that's something that's we've got to take a continuous improvement mindset on to, to keep looking at. So I think we're still figuring that component out. You know, it's, it's interesting is in the context of competency-based education, you know, theoretically, and I, I realize that in practice, it, it might come out differently, but theoretically, it takes time off the table. It's entirely a student-centered approach to pursuing an education. It's entirely based on mastery rather than seat time. You know, it, it's, it's a concept that modernizes our entire approach to education, but the administrative and bureaucratic structure of education is still based in time. So from a student affairs perspective, how do you balance that need to ensure that students are progressing in a way that's personalized to their needs in a manner that makes sense for them, while at the same time sort of staying true to the reality that the completion rate is still going to be based on did the student finish in 150% of the the two-year span, right? Correct. Beyond competency-based education, 84% of our students are part-time. So, Mm. you know, this is a challenge that we have across the whole way that completion is defined from a federal perspective is that 150% completion because that's not the student that is in the world anymore. Um, I do think that there's some good traction being made. You know, there were some really great conversations at the federal level about certain aspects of CBE, uh, like regular and substantive interaction. So, I mean, I think that conversation is starting to happen, but yeah, it's a really tough balance right now because we, we do a credit-based, term-based 
DBE model. So what we we do is we really make sure that we have those conversations up front with students about, you know, what's going on in your life? How much time do you feel like you can dedicate to this? What's your previous experience then? And make that customized plan term by term to help them basically pace themselves. So we don't just put it all on them to say, hey, go figure this out. And I think the other important piece is that, you know, back to that conversation about the, the three pillars and of student support when we look at CBE, that relationship between academics and student affairs has to be seamless in some ways. You know, that there's regular communication happening with those faculty. There's regular interaction about how we can better support that student. And we can intervene when needed. It is still a challenge. There's the financial aid components. There's the time-based, you know, we still have to do this within terms unless you're approved for direct assessment. So again, we're still figuring a lot of those things out, having offered a program only for a few years now. And really, it's an exciting time though, because it's, it is modernizing the way we do education, like you, like you mentioned. Absolutely. So, I mean, what comes next when it comes to student affairs? How do we get more recognition for the work that's happening in the student affairs space, especially when we're, you know, as we've been talking today about the, the strategic impact of student affairs on, on the success of learners, on the success of the institution. What do we do to, to help people understand that, you know, and excuse the vague insult, but, you know, that student affairs is more than a pizza party, because that is the assumption. I think it comes down to higher education is in a really interesting moment right now. We have to change how we're educating students and how we're serving students. And I think what it's going to come down to is that institutions are going to be able to stand apart from reading information on the internet from Wikipedia to learn something if we can make sure that it's an experience that supports that whole student. And that's where student affairs comes in, is, is that we have to look at changing our business model from a transactional we're going to give you the knowledge in a very traditional format to we're going to, like our mission says, transform your life um, and, and be a partner to that in you. I mean, obviously, students have to have some ownership over that and they need to come to the table ready to take that on, but they need to know that they're not doing it alone. And I think in the complicated world and the technology age we're living in, that's how people are going to see the importance of student affairs, is because without it, um, we're going to not keep students. And if you look at straight up business, my background's an MBA. <laughs> Customer acquisition is a very scary cost, and especially in higher ed. So it's much more economical to keep a student than it is to get a new one. You've raised an interesting point there. And I realize at this point, we're about to swing a little bit over, you know, the, the general length of, of our podcast episodes. But you said a word that's one of my light bulb words, which is switching from a transactional model, getting away from that transactional model. And, you know, higher ed historically has been a, a gatekeeper of knowledge. That role doesn't really make sense in, in the information age. And we also know, especially in technical fields, consistently evolving technology has a massive impact on automation, which has a massive impact on the expectations of human workers. So in the context of a technical college, how how does student affairs start to create an environment of lifelong learning 
that's more geared towards sort of consistent upskilling and reskilling over the course of an individual's life, as opposed to a single transactional event where an individual sort of comes in and, and I'll expand the transaction to that two or three or five years, but comes in, earns a credential and leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that can be done. I mean, and this is something you know I'm interested in exploring more at our institution is that co-curricular learning component. and establishing opportunities for students to build the skills that no matter what field you're in, employers want, your communication, your problem solving, your decision-making skills, that no matter what industry you're in, you're going to need to be able to do that in some capacity. The how might be a little bit different, but those are evergreen skills. And that's going to help you pivot when maybe your, your job pivots because of how technology is changing your job. The other thing is I think the relationship building is really what's important that If we can provide students with a good, solid experience that supports them as a whole individual, then when they encounter the need for a job change or need help getting one more credential, that's where the continuing education and workforce development comes in. Or maybe they're in the seat at their employer where they can influence training opportunities. They can think back and say, I had a really great experience at Nicolet College and I know people there care. So I'm going to go back to that person I talked to or talk to one of my professors and say, hey, how can I help do this? So I think it's two components where student affairs really fits in. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, presidents and provosts can work with Modern Campus to create pathways for lifelong learners, while marketing and IT can deliver Amazon-like personalization and instant fulfillment. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.